or three, or four, but five, force five. Welcome to the Force Five podcast, a show where I challenge my guests to come up with a movie-themed five list, and then we talk about those lists on air. I'm your host, Kleberg, and my guest today is Evan. How's it going, Evan? Doing well, doing well. Appreciate you having me on. It's good to have you. Um, tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Uh, well, I am uh, from Indianapolis, Indiana, um, and I uh, have an exciting job and occupational safety, so um, nice. it's almost as exciting as it sounds. Um, but yeah, as far as you know, film goes, um, I have no like real, um, I guess, like official like training in film or anything like that, but I've just always been a huge um, fan of films my entire life um, growing up. And my family has been the same way, you know, as always, you know, how we'd spend our weekends and evenings and stuff watching films and, and talking about them. And, you know, you know, my parents love the game of, you know, oh, I've seen that person before and trying to remember what other films they've been in. And um, it's just always been a, a big part of my life, um, you know, as far back as I can remember. And, you know, I'm always you know, excited to see new films and pretty much, you know, love any sort of genre and um, just films in general are something I've always, uh, always liked a lot. That's great. And uh, why don't you talk about the list topic that you chose for today? So I settled on um, time travel films or films that have, you know, time travel is some part of that. And uh, reason being, I, you know, always, you know, love film, but especially, you know, sci-fi has always been something I've really loved, you know, beyond films, um, books and, and video games and television and, you know, kind of you name it. I've always loved uh, sci-fi, even got a, a tattoo dedicated to sci-fi. So um, I nice. thought time travel would be kind of a fun, fun thing to talk about. And there's a lot of great films that involve time travel too, some classics. So there are, I started, I was, I was excited when you picked this topic because uh, actually when I was trying to think about podcast topics to do one of the topics that i thought about doing was exploring just time travel movies and the way that they time traveled in those movies so i was uh really excited to get back into some time travel yeah definitely it's like you know pretty much every film there's some different uh you know vehicle for delivering time travel right it's some of it's more based in reality some of it's a little wackier so yeah it's always kind of fun to see how films do that and different ways that they, uh, you know, get people traveling through time. Yeah. And it'll be good to get into that before we do, we're going to talk about some things that we have been watching lately. So, um, I'm going to start us off. I watched two horror movies this week. I'm going to start with one called scare package, which just came out here in 2020. Have you heard of scare package before? I have not. I, uh, I like horror films. Never heard of that one though. Cold opener. You only have a few minutes to put all the pieces in place. This is the best house on the market. It just seems too good to be true. What would happen in a horror movie now? Everyone I care about ends up dead. As if it wasn't bad enough that we're babysitting on Halloween. That's what they were doing back there. Tests and shit. The engine will not start in 17 out of 18 cases. It's the devil's lake impaler. It's not over. He can still come back. I'm pretty sure something bad happened here. You don't understand! You have to kill me! You okay? Hey, but a hitchhiker's is dangerous business. That's how horror movies start. 
looks like you're having a rough night. It's 11 a.m. Hi, I'm hunting a creature. Well, a man. Maybe you've seen him? How are we gonna fix this? I'd like to rent a wood chipper. We are in a horror movie! Nobody? Horror. All right, so if you like horror films, this might be one that you want to give a shot. It's uh, it's an anthology movie, much like the VHS or uh, ABCs of Death style films. And the tagline is seven directors, seven tales of terror, zero working cell phones. So that kind of gives you a, a, a feel. They're going for more of a horror comedy feel with this one. It's... It's an interesting movie. It doesn't work on all levels for me. Um, it's basically a, there's a wraparound story that connects everything that focuses on this dude, Chad, who runs Rad Chad's Horror Emporium, which is a video store. And each kind of short is brought up as he's putting VHS tapes into the VCR, or, you know, different things that are going on in the video store. Chad was actually my favorite part of this. His character is pretty funny. And he reminds me of a lot of movie nerds like myself, who I worked in a video store at one point, and I used to have these types of conversations with people that would come in and we would discuss movies. And that part was really fun. The shorts themselves are really kind of hit and miss. Uh, They're all based around familiar horror tropes, like um, the, you know, don't steal that magical idol or the horror character that just won't die, like those kind of things. And they add a lot of comedy into it. The directors, they they do seem to really love the genre and the stories are pretty diverse. It just, the comedy didn't really work for me. Hardcore fans, if if you do like horror and you like those kind of really low budget productions, you'll probably get a kick out of it. There's some good gore in there. Um, There's a laugh or two. Um, But yeah, that's Scare Package from 2020. I would recommend it to really just people that are into horror. That's all That's all I would really recommend it to. So you said anthology, like multiple kind of shorter um, stories in there. Was it like a different director did each of those like shorter films? Yeah. So there's seven different short films and they're all directed by different people. So they all have a different feel. Okay. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And like I said, some of them work. There's... There's one in particular called Horror Hypothesis, which I thought was one of the best ones. It was near the end of the film. And it's just a a group of people that wake up in this room and they realize that they are horror tropes. And they're kind of walking through how they're going to die or who's going to die first. Joe Bob Briggs makes an appearance in that one, too, which is kind of fun. That sounds interesting, though. Campy kind of horror feel to it. Definitely. Campy is the the best way to put it. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, um, watched a movie recently that I'm embarrassed. It's it's taken me this long to watch it. It's it's definitely one of those films that pretty much everybody's seen or people who love films have seen. But I watched Memento. I guess I've already told you about my condition. Funny every time I see you. You don't remember where you've been or what you've just done. I can't make new memories. Everything just fades. What's the last thing you do remember? My wife. That's sweet. Dying. You really want to get this guy, don't you? My wife deserves vengeance. When you find this guy, what are you going to do? Kill him. Somebody's got to pay, Lenny. Somebody always pays. You have to be very careful. 
wander around playing detective. Maybe you should start investigating yourself. This guy is so dangerous, he's gonna kill me. Who is he? What do you want from me? I want my life back! I think someone's trying to get me to kill the wrong guy. You can question everything. You can never know anything for sure. There are things you know for sure. You can't trust him. Even if you get revenge, you're not gonna remember it. You're not even gonna know that it happened. Who did this to you? You did. You don't know who you are. I feel like I'd seen the parts of it kind of like on TV or whatever, but never really sat down and, and watched the whole thing. So um, just decided to, it was on, can't remember if it was on Amazon prime or something, but put it on and uh, um, kind of a hard film to explain the plot of, um, but essentially, you know, it's a, a film told in reverse um, about a guy who's, you know, got this uh, condition where he can't form short-term memories. Right. So um, and he's trying to hunt down the person who killed his wife. But basically, since his wife was murdered, you know, can't form these new memories. So, you know, he has like tattoos all over himself for reminders and he carries around photos in his pockets and with like notes on them. Um, and basically the whole time, you know, you're trying to decide, you know, who's lying to him, who's telling him the truth. Um, and, you know, overall, really you know, enjoyed the film a lot. Obviously it's a, it's a classic and, and people love it. So no surprise there. Um, but I really loved the kind of going from, you know, some f- shots are filmed in black and white and some shots are filmed in color and it's, you know, the, the shots filmed in black and white are, you know, less subjective. They're, they're kind of like the facts. And then, you know, the, uh, shots in color then are, um, you know, kind of what he's remembering and those things may or may not be true. You know, you're, it's kind of hard to tell, you know, if his memory is, you know, serving him well or not. Um, and I don't really want to like give away too much. Cause I want to spoil the movie. If anybody else out there like me waited, you know, 20 years to watch that film. Um, but you know, overall really liked it. I mean, Christopher Nolan, right. He, he can almost do no wrong. So, um, yeah. And, uh, Guy Pierce in it too. I thought he did a great job. I, you know, um, I feel like he was a bigger actor kind of um, back in, you know, 90s, early 2000s. I don't I don't know that he's done a whole lot recently, at least that I've seen. Um, but I, I don't track his his career super closely. Um, but I thought he did a really good job, almost uh, kind of distracting. I thought the whole time he looked, you know, almost identical to Johnny Depp. Like it's almost like they wanted Johnny Depp for the role, but couldn't get him. So they casted someone who looked very, you know, much like him and kind of acted similar. But uh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I really liked it, you know, overall great film um makes you think for sure it's one of those ones you kind of have to get on google afterwards and and make sure you kind of caught everything or, or it definitely deserves a second wash there too which i'll, I'll have to do sometime soon uh, probably catch a few things that i missed the first time yeah when you think about um this topic that we're talking about today which is time travel this is almost like a time travel movie in that he's it's it's like he's resetting every day because of those memories mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a really cool concept. It's when you said that it's 20 years old, it's like, geez, that, yeah, that's right. I mean, it's hard to believe I, it's 19 years old. I think it's 01 or 99, something like that. Yeah, I think it was 2001. And that's crazy that it's been that uh-huh. it's been out that long. Yeah. Um, did you have anything like it's part, it's been part of the cultural zeitgeist for a while. Had you had anything spoiled for you in the last 19 years? Um, I don't think so if i had it's you know i hadn't remembered someone telling me something about it 
Um, yeah. It was just always one of those films that I, I had been told kind of the general idea of it so many times. And so many people had told me, you know, it's so good. You got to watch it. And just it always been kind of on your, you know, the backlog of, of things you need to watch. But um, no, and I and I think it's I guess there is kind of a twist that, that, that could be spoiled, but also it's kind of open to interpretation, it seems like as well, which I think is another another thing Christopher Nolan likes to do. Um, but I feel like there, you know, after the I watched it, I was kind of looking up different theories, and it seems like there's several kind of you know popular theories about you know what's really going on, and and it really leaves it up in the air, right? At the end, it's it's you know you don't really know what's true and what's not true, and you know you know what's actually happened, and who's who's told you know Guy Pierce the truth, and and who hasn't. Yep, and I think there's I think there's even a on disc release where somebody put like they cut the movie back together in put in order in chronological order yeah i've I've not seen that one but i am kind of interested to see what that feels like in order yeah definitely um good video and you might have seen it but there's uh christopher nolan actually uh explains kind of how the they filmed it and how they cut it together and uh how kind of the different scenes fit together and he does like a good like diagram he draws and kind of explains where you know um different scenes kind of match up and kind of how they, you know, leapfrog certain scenes and, you know, you'll see one scene and it'll cut further back and it'll kind of lead in to tell you what happened leading up to that scene and kind of explains it as it goes. And it's about like a 15 minute long video, but it's uh, pretty interesting if you haven't seen it. I will have to check that out. That's uh memento from 2001. Um, I've been watching, there's one other thing that I watched this week. It's a movie from 2017 called game of death. What did I do? You smoke. <laughs> With the clock ticking, is life worth living? You make a choice, you or I. Without decision, one will die. In this quest, some are left behind. This game will blow your mind. <laughs> Let's do this. Directed by a pair of French directors uh, named Sebastian Landry and Laurence Marat Lagasse. I don't know if I'm saying that last name wrong. I'm probably not, but uh, this is another one of those low budget horror movies. And it starts out at one of these kids, really nice homes. They're just having a party and there's like uh, a board game. Some of them traveled into the garage and there's a board game sitting there. And the board game is called the game of death. So they pick this board game up and it's almost like a, it's almost like a little octagon shape and there's skulls on each end. So they start reading the directions and it says to start playing, put your thumbs on these skulls. And when all eight kids have their, or all seven kids have their thumbs on these skulls, it pokes them with like a needle and their blood goes into the game. And then it says the game has started and a 24 pops up on the little screen on this game. And essentially the rules of the game are kill or be killed. So if they don't kill people, they are going to die. And we find that out really quick when one of the kids head just randomly explodes. Jeez. Yeah, it's uh, it's very gory. So if you like gore, you're going to like this. Uh, I've I was reading reviews about it and somebody said that it's like Jumanji meets natural born killers. And I think that that's a pretty good assessment of the of the plot um it does bring up some like cool ethical questions afterwards like you know if 
if all eight of you die because your heads get popped off, is that better than, you know, 24 random people dying? Because if you don't kill 24 people, you die. Um, yeah, it's kind of, uh, uh, I can't remember what they call that, but there's that like classic, like psychological question, right? With the, the train track, it's, you know, there's one person on one train track and, and several people tied up on the other train track. And it's like, you basically have to decide which way the train goes, like how, which way do you pick? kind of similar uh similar concept exactly um brings to mind another christopher nolan movie right the dark knight where you know which boat needs to go Mm -hmm. um unfortunately in the movie those ethical questions are not explored and it's just kind of terrible acting tons of gore and of it it almost seems like it was a 45 minute movie that they padded out to hit close to an hour and a half to make it feature length. There's some really out of place, like cell phone footage that plays throughout the movie, just showing their party lifestyle that doesn't really make any sense or add anything. There's a really cool animated sequence that I think was probably done because of budget concerns near the end of the film. And that was actually pretty cool. I would not recommend Game of Death, but I think it's a cool concept that if somebody in 15 years did a remake of it, I think it could be really, really fresh. Yeah, maybe the right budget and the right director and stuff, maybe a little uh, little bit better. Yeah, and I, I will look forward to what these French dudes do next because the the special effects were actually pretty good and seemed mostly practical. Like when the when the heads explode, they're not just exploding. They're kind of like puffing up and uh, it's like their heads turning into a circle before it blows up. And that was pretty cool to see. (laughs) So that was Game of Death from 2017. Don't get it mixed up with the Bruce Lee Game of Death from 78. Totally different films. Yeah, probably a little little different. A little different. (laughs) Uh, And the other thing uh, that I have watched recently was actually a documentary, if that's okay. Um, Absolutely. Um, it's called, it's from 2016, um, and it's called uh, Once is Enough. When I was 11, my mom was diagnosed with heart failure. She was overweight. When my mom passed away, um, I think it was probably the hardest on Jeff because they were, they were extremely close. I'm spending all this time in the waiting room, and I see this, a Trail Runner magazine. Is the 100-mile ultramarathon the new marathon. Jeffrey was not athletic as a kid. He wasn't really an outdoor kid. In elementary school, I was the epitome of the chubby, funny best friend. Set in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, runners face some of the longest and steepest climbs in America with a total elevation gain of over 15,000 feet. And I thought what anyone desperate to lose weight would think. You guys, I should do this. So one of my other hobbies or passions, or even to call it, is uh, endurance trail running. Um, so that's what this documentary kind of focuses on, um, but a little bit of a of a twist. So it's it's about this comedian um, who um, you know has always been you know bigger guy, overweight his whole life. Kind of his whole family was um, grew up on a on a pig farm in um, somewhere in Canada. I uh, can't remember exactly where it was, but you know rural Canada, um, and his mom. Um, sadly passes away um, from, you know, a heart condition caused by, you know, her being so overweight. So basically when, um, 
this happens, he decides, you know, I'm not going to let myself get to that point. Like I want to be healthy and, you know, be able to live a long time and, and not pass away at an early age. And, and, you know, his mom was really important to his life. Um, so he decides to, um, train for a 100 mile trail race, um, having never really exercised in his life or never really done, you know, a whole lot of, um, anything in that, you know, area. Um, cause he, you know, when he was in the waiting room at the hospital, when, you know, his mom was passing away, there was a, a trail runner magazine sitting there and it had an advertisement for, uh, it's called the Leadville 100, uh, which is up hmm. in the mountains in Colorado. Um, one of the toughest, um, hundred mile, you know, ultra marathons in the country. Um, so he decides that's what he's going to do. Um, and basically the, the film is kind of cuts between, it's like a stand up comedy special, you know, similar to like, you know, like on Comedy Central and Netflix, but then it kind of cuts back to his like training um, and, you know, hit film, you know, um, shots of him during the, the actual race itself and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, overall, I really liked it. Um, it was definitely lower budget. Um, not a, you know, he's not a super well-known um, comedian. His name's Jeffrey James Binney. Um, Never heard of him. Yeah, he yeah, definitely not like super well-known comedian, low budget. Um, which a lot of these kind of, you know, trail racing, you know, documentaries they make are, but, um, overall I, I thought it was pretty well made. Um, it was, you know, heartfelt and everything. And, you know, it was definitely, uh, tugs at your heartstrings, you know, when he's talking about his mom and everything. And, you know, when he's 60, 70 miles into this hundred mile race and he's, you know, like breaking down and doesn't want to go any further, but, you know, he's trained for, you know, a year and a half for this thing. And, uh, um, definitely a good film. Um. I wish they would have showed, they didn't show much of kind of his actual training. It more so was cut between like the comedy special and like the race itself. Um, right. So you didn't really get a good concept of, you know, where he started at and, you know, what his starting condition was. And you didn't really see that journey to the race, which I thought would have probably been a more interesting story, I think, than just the race itself. Um Cause you know, that's, you know, at the end of the day, you're training for a year and a half running thousands of miles in that, you know, 18 month time frame. Like that's the real work, right? The, the race is the payoff for all the training you've been doing. Um, but it, it was good. And, and he's funny, like his standup, you know, the parts that were our standup comedy are, are funny and, uh, and entertaining. And overall, you know, if you like documentaries or, or standup comedy, I would watch it. And definitely if you're, if you're interested in like running and trail racing, it's, um, you know, good for that as well. I could not picture running a hundred miles. Yeah. It, <laughs> it sounds miserable. That's my like ultimate goal at some point. Um, the far I've done a marathon on like hiking trails and that's about the farthest I've gone so far, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's an unfathomable distance. I mean, it takes, it's a 30 hour cutoff. So, you know, you're oh running for 30 hours straight, you know, you're not sleeping. Um, yeah, it's some of those people who do it are, are crazy about it. And it's, uh, I think it takes a certain, certain mentality, I think for someone to, especially to go from not exercising to running a hundred mile race, just to, just to be able to do that. Yeah. And I'm wondering just by your description, if it was, you know, if he decided to make this thing a documentary, like really close to doing the race, because there are no, uh, you know, the training things just weren't filmed. Yeah. Then I actually hadn't thought about that. That's a good point. That's, that's probably what happened. Maybe thought like, Hey, this make a good stand-up special or in a, in a good kind of documentary and, um, all that. Um, I assumed he had gotten like a, um, some sort of, uh, 
you know, had sold the idea to some film studio and that's how he was able to, you know, not work and train for this thing. Cause I mean, you're, he's running up to a hundred miles a week for his training, which it seemed like, you know, how could you hold down a, a full-time job and, you know, do that much running. Um, but you know, they didn't really go into it. So um, definitely could be that. Yeah. He kind of decided at the last second that to make it into a documentary. And uh, where did you watch this again? That one was also on prime. Cool. Amazon prime. Check that out. That is what we have been watching. So it's time to get into our Force 5 list. And again, you selected time travel movies. Like I said, this was really cool to get into. Um, When you were organizing your list, like is your list in any kind of order? Does it go from like uh, number five up to your favorite? Is there any way that you personally organized it? Uh, So... I've been through a few drafts of this list, actually. So it's a funny question. Um, it kind of started off like that. Like I was trying to say, you know, find my top five favorite time travel movies and just list them. Like this is my favorite one through five. Um, and it was really challenging. Um, I think, you know, it's kind of like asking someone what their favorite film of all time is. It's kind of a hard question to answer. Right. And it's um, was kind of similar here because, you know, there's so many time travel movies that fit into so many different like genres. Um, So I ended up just kind of trying to pick kind of my favorite time travel movie from a few different genres and doing it that way. Cool. Yeah. I was around the same lines. There are a lot of movies that I wanted to stick on here and didn't. And my number one is definitely not my favorite time travel movie, but it is one of the most interesting and I kept it for number one because I think it's probably the, the least seen out of my, my five for sure. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I would say my five are probably all fairly popular movies. Um, some of them, maybe not so much depending on, depending on your age and everything, maybe some younger, younger people haven't seen some of these, but, um, but yeah, mine, like my number one isn't, yeah, like same thing here. It's not necessarily my favorite out of these five. Um, you know, I just kind of put them in, in somewhat of a random order to talk about. There's some, a little bit of reasoning to it, but not a whole lot. Cool. Well, I will go ahead and kick things off with my number five time travel movie. This one, I'm sure almost everybody has seen. It's Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Taken at the West Highland Police Station, 1984. You were there. Same model. These were taken today. You have to let me see my son. He's in great danger. New mission. Once, he was programmed to destroy the future. You don't know what it's like to try to kill one of these things. Now, his mission... Get down. ...is to protect it. Come with me if you want to live. So Terminator 2 from 1991, I want to say. Man, this movie is 30 years old now. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I, I think most people know the story. I'll just throw it out there. You've Arnold Schwarzenegger as the T-800 and he's a cyborg. And in the first one, he was sent to kill Sarah Connor. And in this one, John Connor sends him back in time to protect 
Sarah Connor from a new cyborg, a more powerful cyborg, the T-1000, uh, directed by James Cameron. This movie I watched recently, and the special effects for being 30 years old still stand up. I mean, they look fantastic. It was a really cool twist when I first saw this movie. I saw this movie, man, I was probably 13 or so when I saw this movie. And having seen the first one, everybody knows by now that, you know, you see the first one, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the bad guy. And in the second one, he's the good guy. That was like a, a really cool twist to see. Tons of cool lines, tons of cool scenes. Arnold with the chain gun is something that I will never forget. The chase between the motorcycle and the big rig in the uh, the Los Angeles Canal, something I will never get out of my head. Just a really great movie. And that time travel aspect of bouncing back and forth between the future, which is controlled by Skynet, back to the past tr to try and stop that. Just awesome. Terminator 2, that's my number five. Yeah, that's a... Um... The Terminator films were, were ones I, you know, kind of debated with putting on my list as well. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen Judgment Day, which, you know, some people argue is the is one of the best Terminator film. You know, I that probably comes down between one and two. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think back on it. It's probably been 15 years since I've seen that movie. Um, but I oh, remember so liking good. it a lot. I remember liking, you know. Um, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of come into to his own as like an actual like um, you know lead actor more at this point because um, you know the first one he's you know obviously a main focus of the film but you know there's not a whole lot of lines and the line deliveries are just kind of kind of the one liners and this one I, I remember there being a little bit more of a focus on him um, and yeah him kind of turning around and being the good guy you know that kind of twist um, and I, I'm curious if back, you know, when this movie was coming out, if they told people that that was, you know, what it was about and everything, or if that was kind of a surprise for audiences or. Yeah. It's like you said, Arnold is more, he, he gets a better showcase here in terms of like, he does a little bit of physical comedy, which is, you know, even kind of funny. The, the special effects, I did say they, they held up, but even like the the T-1000 when he's turning into liquid metal. Man, that stuff looks so good even today. It's just, it's definitely my favorite Terminator movie, uh, just above Terminator Genesis. Just kidding. That's nobody's favorite. <laughs> um, it, it really is one and two. But the last one, uh, Terminator uh, Dark Fate, not bad. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. I've heard, I heard it's pretty good. Um, you know, I feel like expectations were set pretty low and people were. Also true. Yeah. Yeah, definitely uh, uh, Terminator, good film. And um, yeah, Arnold, definitely, I think, you know, you see his 80s movies and they are more of kind of, and I guess it's kind of hard for me to think back which ones are late 80s, which ones get into the 90s, but a lot of more like the action, like he has less lines. And I definitely think, yeah, he did, did you know, it's kind of cool seeing him in this movie and then, you know, kind of watching his career throughout the 90s too, where he kind of had more traditional roles, I guess, you know, where he was more of like a, less of a, you know, just like I'm a badass and I'm not going to say a lot and I'm just going to beat people up to actually be having like some depth and, you know, actually kind of playing some real characters. Man, those those 80s movies like Commando and Predator, just uh -huh. classics. They're so good. They definitely are. Predator is probably one of my all time favorite films. Yep, And I would I would say Terminator 2 is probably one of my top 10 movies and one of my favorite action movies of all time. So my number five, uh, I'm going to start with a light one here. Um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. 
Now, a motion picture so grand, so magnificent, and so vast, it spans 7,000 years. No way! Yes way! But it starts with Bill. I'm Bill S. Preston! Who was Joan of Arc? And Ted. Noah's wife? We are in danger of flunking most heinously tomorrow. A force from the future. Can we go anywhere we want at any time? You can do anything you want. Is putting history at their fingertips. Let's reach out and touch someone. They're traveling through time. How's it going, royal ugly dudes? Put them in the Iron Maiden. Excellent! Execute them. Bogus. How's it going, dude? And they're making a big impression. Historical babes. Now they're home. Everybody get together and remember who your buddy is. To trash the 20th century. I think Keanu Reeves is at his best when he is, um, I guess, ironically playing kind of a, a unintelligent <laughs> person. Um, sometimes when he tries to be taken seriously, I think that's when, you know, he's not taken very seriously, but it, his like delivery in this film and, you know, just kind of everything about, you know, Keanu Reeves in this movie just works so well. Um, so, you know, brief kind of summary of the film. Um, it's about Bill and Ted. Um it's you know Keanu Reeves plays Ted, um, Alex Winter plays Bill, and they're a couple of kind of bums in high school who are getting ready to graduate, um, but they have to pass their history class before they can graduate. And of course, kind of a, a classic '80s film. They have the mean teacher um, who's trying, you know, desperately doesn't want them to graduate, just kind of despite them and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and you know, if he um, flunks out of school. Uh, Ted's dad is going to send him to military school. So that's kind of some, some motivation there for him. So essentially what they end up doing is um, basically this, this guy comes back in time and um, basically tells them that they have to, you know, pass this test and they can't, you know, they can't be broken up because, um, you know, one day they're going to make this awesome band that writes a song that, you know, um, saves the world basically. Um, so basically they travel through time, essentially going back to all these time periods so that they can write this, you know, magnificent essay and give this great presentation on, you know, history. Um, so they go back and they visit Napoleon and um, Genghis Khan and um, I mean, the third person they get, is it Benjamin Franklin, I think? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty they sure. They go back there. and get... Um, and basically bring him and try to bring him to the future with them. And, you know, it's full of shenanigans and they got to keep track of all these, you know, famous people from history and, and, you know, current day America, um, you know, and get them all together to basically write this, uh, this presentation for their history class. And, um, you know, just overall, it's just like a fun film. I think it's one of those that, you know, it kind of flies by because you're having fun and, uh, it's goofy and all the scenes are, are exciting and funny, um, and just kind of, you know, everything about it. It's just a, a good kind of fun time. Yeah, this one narrowly missed my list. It was so close to being on there because I love Keanu Reeves. And I think that, like you said, when he is given the chance to be funny and play kind of a dummy, he is just, he just kills it. Yeah, that's definitely his his area. Like if he did more films kind of like that, I think I, I like him in those. And then, I mean, I love like John Wick. I think he does like that kind of character well. Um but kind of anything outside of those two, like, like intense action or kind of like, you know, dopey comedy. I feel like he, uh, 
his acting chops might not be there for those, but I do. I mean, you gotta love Keanu Reeves. I mean, he's he's a lovable guy and kind of nothing to dislike about him. Are you excited for the third one? The the trailer just came out for the third one. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I am looking forward to it. I I think it'll be good. Um, you know, uh, I feel like bringing back old you know movie series or you know remaking old films is kind of popular in Hollywood right now. So hopefully it's not just kind of a cash grab. Um, but from the trailer, it looks promising. I mean, if they just kind of stick to a similar, um, kind of frame as the original too, I think, I think it'll, it'll end up being pretty good. I'm definitely, definitely going to see it. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it looks like fun. Uh, that's Bill and Ted's excellent adventure on to my number four. My number four is from 2012 from Ryan Johnson movie called Looper. Yeah, that is on my list as well, actually. Time travel has not yet been invented. But 30 years from now, it will have been. I am one of many specialized assassins in our present called loopers. So when criminal organizations in the future need someone gone, they zap them back to me. And I eliminate the target from the future. Oh la la. Loopers are well paid. We live the good life. And the only rule is never let your target escape. Even if your target is you. In 2074, it is possible to travel in time, but it's also forbidden to travel through time. Uh, And criminal organizations, when they want somebody dead, they send their victims back 30 years into the past where hitmen who are well paid are they're called loopers they kill them and get rid of the bodies 30 years back so that's essentially the setup and then the time travel and plot comes in when mobsters decide to call off a contract with a killer they send the killer himself back to be killed by his younger self and that's what they call closing the loop so there's a couple things i like about this Number one, I I like the actors, Bruce Willis playing a role in which he actually seems like he cares. There's a lot of roles that Bruce Willis does now where he is just phoning it in or he just looks like he just does not want to be there. And that was not the case here. He he actually does pretty well. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is he's he's in some weird kind of Bruce Willis like makeup. How did did you did you think his makeup was was well done? Um, I think. I thought like the goal they were trying to achieve, I thought they achieved. Um, I don't think it was like a Marvel and like prosthetics or anything like that, but um, I do think that they, I think they did a good job of just, you know, trying to make him slightly resemble Bruce Willis more. I don't, I didn't like his eyes. I don't know if it was CGI or if that was prosthetic, but they tried to make his eyes like they were like this really like, and maybe that's just Joseph Gordon-Levitt's eyes. I don't know, but like this really like almost like, like glowing bluish kind of color and it just looked like not you know normal i don't know if that's the a good way of explaining it but but i thought that like i mean they did like his nose you could tell and i think probably some of like his his forehead and eyebrows to kind of resemble bruce willis which i thought was like a cool probably something they didn't have to do that that they kind of wanted to do yeah there were some scenes where it was really obvious like oh this dude is just in prosthetics and then there were scenes where it looks a lot better um, there's a scene where they're face to face in a diner, which they, I, I think it looks pretty good there. Um, 
but yeah, this is a good movie. It's got a lot of action. It's got some sci-fi elements to it. It's got uh, a performance by Pierce Gagnon, who is a son. It's Emily Blunt's son who they, they live in a farm and man, his performance is fantastic as a child actor. Yeah, definitely. I feel like child actors are on one end of the spectrum or the other. They usually do a, a really good job or it's, you know, very uh, clearly, uh, you know, not great acting. Uh, but yeah, no, I agree. I definitely think uh, the the kid he did did a very good job. Um, yeah, overall, I really like this film. Obviously, I, I put it on my list too. Uh, <laughs> probably my my favorite thing about it is just like the the world that they built for it. Um, I think it's it's just like cool. It kind of gives me vibes of like an '80s or '90s kind of sci-fi film that that Bruce Willis probably would have done back in the '80s or '90s. It's kind of got that. I don't, it's like almost noir dystopian kind of feel to it um i just think it's it's a cool world that they kind of built and like an interesting kind of dystopian you know style future that they put together which i i really enjoy just the overall you know tone of the film and in the world that they built um for these characters and, and i agree i think i think bruce willis did did a good job um there were some scenes that were a little a uh, little corny i guess um one that really sticks out is when they're kind of after well i guess i don't want to spoil anything but basically when they're showing joseph gordon levitt aging throughout the years and turning into bruce willis eventually there's a one scene where he's got like he's half bald and he's half got the joseph gordon levitt hair um <laughs> if you're i don't know if you remember that specific scene I don't. But it just it just looks so bad like the the hair on bruce willis looks really bad and it's, it's just bruce willis with like a clear like wig on um probably could have done without that like they kind of try to do like a halfway between them kind of scene. And I'm like, I don't think we get the picture like that he's aging. I don't <laughs> think we need this, whatever's going on here. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the film a lot. I remember seeing it when it first came out and, and really enjoying it. And it's actually, um, I went back and rewatched it for this, this recording, this podcast. I actually, I just watched it a couple days ago again, cause it had been, I hadn't seen it since I think 2012 when it came out. Um, and it, it's just, it was just as good as I remembered it being. It's kind of, you know, it's it's not a masterpiece, but it's it's a lot of fun to watch. And um, I like the story and kind of like the the time travel, you know, how they use that. You know, it, it's kind of a, a Terminator style, right? Someone's coming back in time to, to kill someone to stop something from happening in the future. Um, but I like how they play on it with, you know, that the future is maybe not set in stone, right? They they play with that idea of, of changing things um, so they don't happen the way that they happened in, you know, Bruce Willis's timeline. Yeah, and it's got a great cast too. Even people that we haven't mentioned yet, like Jeff Daniels is in there, Paul Dano's in there. Oh yeah, Paul um, Dano. Yeah, Garrett Dillahunt's in there. Uh, Noah Segan, who plays Kid Blue, is great in there. It's, it's such a good cast. Yeah, I I was when I was watching it the other day, I was like, I recognize him from something. I could just not put my finger on it, um, but I know I have seen him in something before. I knew him right away because of I just watched Knives Out and he was in Ryan Johnson's Knives Out as one of the deputies. The detectives. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That might be where, what I'm thinking of. Yeah, he's been in a lot of different things, but um, yeah, just such a good cast. There, There is one thing that's always bugged me, though. Uh, and since you just watched it, maybe they maybe they clear this up in the movie, but I've always wondered, like, why would you send somebody alive back 30 years? Why wouldn't you just kill them in the future and then send the body back so that they can dispose of it 30 years later? Yeah. Like why do you need the, 
the looper to close their own loop like why can't you just kill them send them back with the money and just be like okay like get rid of the body or just yeah i guess the concept in general right you could just kill them in the future and then send them back i guess maybe and maybe they don't ever explain it maybe i mean maybe you could explain it away as like you know maybe they want it you know it has to be a living being to, for the time machine to work or something i don't know but yeah that's a good point i'd never i never thought about that a few plot holes maybe yeah something to always kind of rub me the wrong way but uh regardless uh looper 2012 awesome movie on both of our lists yeah so my number three is um going back to uh to christopher nolan here uh interstellar little late cool yeah we had a flash it's an indian surveillance drone solar cells powered entire farm what'd you do murph she didn't do nothing. Murphy's Law. You're a well-educated man, Coop. And a trained pilot. And an engineer. The world doesn't need any more engineers. We didn't run out of planes and television sets. We ran out of food. Dad, why did you name me after something that's bad? No, we didn't. Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law doesn't mean that something bad will happen. It means that whatever can happen, will happen. We must confront the reality that nothing in our solar system can help us. Now you need to tell me what your plan is to save the world. We're not meant to save the world. We're meant to leave it. And this is the mission we were trained for. I've got kids, Professor. Get out there and save them. I have no idea when you're coming back. It's a uh, future, you know, um, of Earth, and basically there's a, a plague of sorts that's destroying, um, you know, you know, crops can't grow, and basically the Earth is dying. Um, and you've got Matthew McConaughey, who is, you know, a former, either I think he was he was either pilot with NASA or with the Air Force, you know, before kind of this plague hit, and now you know everybody's basically been turned into farmers for the most part to basically try to to grow food for for you know the people who are still alive on Earth. Um, but essentially through, through a series of events of, of events, he, uh, ends up stumbling across basically this like secret NASA base. And, um, they've got a plan to send people through this wormhole that's appeared, um, that, you know, comes out on the other side in a different solar system. And they're basically just looking for a new planet to, um, send, there's a, they have a, basically a colony or, well, a spaceship full of, um, like embryos or, or fetuses that'll that'll grow over time and basically they can start a new you know um, earth basically with a new population on one of these planets so you know matthew mcconaughey um and you know a few other people um travel through this wormhole go out there and it's basically just about them visiting these different planets and trying to find a new um home for earth um and this one, it's a it's a little hard to explain. I guess the time travel aspect without uh, without heavy spoilers, which I didn't think about. Uh, yeah, that's true. 
Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, I really like this film. I, I consider this part of the, the Matthew McConaughey comeback to her. Um, he kind of dropped off for, for a while. And I feel like in the two thousands did a lot of like rom-coms and, and things that were not terrible, but not great. Um, then he comes back. I feel like, I feel like early, early teens he did, it was like Dallas Buyers Club. He did mud and he did this and, uh, the first season of true detective and, um, kind of that, um, resurgence of you know him actually you know having some good acting chops and and really making some some great films and um really enjoyed this one and you know kind of in a christopher nolan-esque way it's it's one of those confusing films again you know like like we talked about with memento um a lot of kind of twists and turns and uh i probably think i liked about it the most really though is that it a lot of it's real world science. So all of the, you know, like the wormhole and the time travel and, and all these things that happen throughout the film are, are set in, um, you know, real science. And it's actually, they worked with Kip Thorne. He's a um, theoretical physicist, actually worked with them on the whole film to make sure that the science like matched up with, you know, real theories and, and, you know, real things that we understand about um, space right now. So I thought that was just a cool touch that, you know, there's all these kind of real elements kind of built into this kind of sci-fi fantastical adventure as well. A couple of things that I love about it. This one almost made my list too. Um, first off, killer cast. Oh, like, yeah. Aside from McConaughey, who you mentioned, you know, you've got Timothy Chalamet, you've got John Lithgow, you've got Anne Hathaway, uh, Jessica Chastain, Michael Caine, Wes Bentley. There's even some surprises yeah, yeah, just so many good castmates here. The score, I think, is another standout too. I think Hans Zimmer did the score, and it is it's fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the cast, definitely. Glad you mentioned that. There, yeah, pretty much. It's pretty much everybody that's a main focus of this film is like a a very you know great actor, well known actor. I mean, um, I didn't even I didn't even remember that Timothy Chalamet. I mean, he must have been pretty young when he uh did he play he played like the young version of casey affleck um he did yeah he played yeah, tom that's right. okay that's right um i totally forgot that, that i probably didn't even realize that was him back in back in 2014 but yeah definitely definitely a great cast for sure and i mean everybody you know does a great job i feel like they're they're you know for it being such a long movie i feel like there aren't a lot of like scenes where you're like bored or where, you know, there's not any like characters that you're like, you know, I don't care about this person. Like, let's move on to the next thing. Um, and I think part of that's probably, you know, great writing, of course, but also, you know, the, the actors being able to, you know, deliver their lines well and, and make you care about, you know, the characters that they're playing. In, in addition to the, the time travel elements there, there's a lot of just playing with time in the, in general in the movie. Mm-hmm. There's like a scene where they go down to one planet's atmosphere and for the characters in the atmosphere, it's like an hour has gone by or however much time has gone by. But up in the spacecraft, that person's aged like three, four years, which I thought was really it's it's probably more years than that. It's been a while since I've seen it. But yeah, I think it was it was like, yeah, 40 minutes for them on the surface. Then, yeah, I think it, it was more like 18 years, I think. out. In, oh, my gosh. Because that's I mean, one of I mean, I won't go into it, but the scene when, you know, they come back is just just heart wrenching when, you know, they are all getting all these correspondence from, you know, their loved ones over the last 18 years. And it's it's a rough scene to watch. It's um, probably one of the best scenes in the film, but it's uh, definitely a tearjerker. 
Yeah, that's uh, one of Matthew McConaughey's shining moments in here for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, cool. Um, so my number three, 2001's Donnie Darko from Richard Kelly. It was as though this plan had been with him all his life, pondered through the seasons. Now, in his 15th year, crystallized with the pain of puberty. So, why'd you move here? My mom had to get a restraining order against my stepdad. He has emotional problems. Oh, I have those too. What kind of emotional problems does your dad have? I met a new friend. Real or imaginary? You're tough, Tony. Imaginary. I'm going to tell you a little story today about a young man whose life was completely destroyed by these instruments of fear. I haven't seen stuff. Donnie is experiencing what is commonly called a daylight hallucination. <laughs> I have to obey him. He saved my life. Have you ever seen a portal? Has he ever told you about his friend Frank, the giant bunny rabbit? The what? It's, an, it's a hard movie to describe, but I'll give it a shot. So you've got Jake Gyllenhaal, who plays Donnie, and he's this, uh, he's this really smart, really troubled kid, and he's just kind of struggling with the uh, boredom of his education, and he's kind of disillusioned with society a bit. And one night, as he goes to sleep, he has an imaginary friend that visits him named Frank, who's this very tall, uh, skull-faced demon rabbit who calls him and essentially saves his life by removing him from a scene of an accident just before it happens. And from there, he Frank leads him down a path with um, forecasts of doom, and then there's psychiatrists, and there's self-help charlatans. It's a really cool, really creepy movie, and the way the time travel works is is through wormholes in this one. So it's not technology doing it, it's just unexplained wormholes doing it. Uh, cool supernatural storytelling. Donnie Darko has one of my favorite soundtracks. It brought a lot of cool 80s songs in there. Um, it's a it's about being a hero. It's about sacrifice. There's a lot of disturbing imagery. Um, it's definitely one of those movies that you'll want to watch twice because the first time I watched it, I was all kinds of confused afterwards. Uh, but Donnie Darko from 2001. Another great cast. You have Maggie Gyllenhaal in there as well. Patrick Swayze's in there as a self-help guru in a type of role that I really hadn't seen him play before. Uh, Jenna Malone's in there. Just a, a great movie. Um, and Richard Kelly, I don't think, has been able to recapture that magic from Donnie Darko. This was his very first movie, which was crazy um, that it was so good. And then he did Southland Tales after that, which I didn't really love. And then uh, I think he did the movie The Box after that. But uh, yeah, this was this was really good. It's tough to explain the time travel because it works with wormholes, but worth a watch for sure. Yeah, the, uh, Donnie Darko was also on my list, actually. Uh, nice. So that was that was my number two. Um, yeah, uh, again, movie like a lot. Um, I feel like as kind of one of those movies that you know i watched it the first time when i was like a teenager and like thought i was like so cool for like liking this movie and like it's so like 
interesting and dark um, and didn't really like get the whole concept and just kind of, you know, um, forgot about it and came back to it, um, you know, when I was a little bit older and um, really like, like the film overall. Um, I love like the tone. It's, it's dark, but also like really funny at points as well. Um, so I kind of like how the little, it almost like, he almost like flips a switch from it'll be like a pretty comical, you know, scene, or there'll be at least some like comic relief and, you know, flip into, you know, one of Donnie's kind of visions or, or whatever, you know, you'd, you'd want to call them. Um, and I just really liked how they kind of, I mean, it's, I wouldn't categorize it as a dark comedy, but it's almost like flips back and forth between like, you know, kind of a, a suspenseful psychological thriller and like kind of like a, a I don't want to say like a comical film, but, you know, a, a scene with a lot of, or a movie with a lot of, you know, comical elements in it. Um, so I really liked that they did that. And I agree with the, the soundtrack was great. It's, you know, movie came out in 99, I want to say, or was it 2000? 2001. Uh, 2001. Um, but I mean, it's, you know, it takes place in 88 and it's, you know, it feels like one of those, you know, breakfast club, like kind of one of those eighties films, the, the soundtrack's perfect. And like the, um, like the clothes and the style and kind of just everything about it. I, I really liked as well. I thought they did a good job capturing like the time period and, and you've got the debates between Bush senior and uh, Dukakis going on on the TV all the time. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. I think I, I really like that they captured that, that time frame really well, I think. Um, and interesting too, I feel like it's a kind of an interesting take. I mean, you know, people, you know, besides Donnie and, and even him think that he's schizophrenic, right. It's kind of their, their concept of it, but you know, um, maybe not the case, right. You know, if you, if you watch the film, um, yep. but I think it's kind of an interesting take on, on mental health, right. Like he's, you know, people just assume, Hey, this guy's just kind of nuts, whatever. Um, give him some medication and he'll be fine. And, you know, that's, that's not what he needed. Right. So um, I think it's kind of an, and maybe it might not have been what they were trying to, trying to get across with it, but that's kind of one of the, one of my takeaways from it was um, just kind of an interesting take on, on mental health or, you know, how maybe we treat people who have, you know, mental health issues. That's a good point. And another funny thing I noticed with Seth Rogen is like the bully, which I thought was hilarious. Oh, I, wow. I did not yeah, I forgot. That. It's like a really young Seth Rogen. And he's just like, you know, he has like three lines and it's just like, get out of here. And, you know, him just trying to be like, a, like, what are you looking at, punk? Like, this is mean bully. You're it's right. Pretty funny. Have you seen the director's cut? I have not. Um, I've seen, I've only seen the, the theatrical. This is, this is the first director's cut that I can remember where I did not like it as much as the theatrical cut. Um, it adds like 20 extra minutes mm-hmm. and... I think that they were cut out for good reason. I honestly, I'd stick with the theatrical cut. Okay, that's good to know. Might not not uh, not waste my time watching it then. Another thing, just about it, just real quick. I think Jake Gyllenhaal just was. I mean, I think he's a fantastic actor in general, but I thought he did for being so young in this. I thought he did such a good job, like capturing that just you know mentally kind of disturbed kid. Like the like the way he would like stare at things was just so like unnerving um when he would be having like his episodes and be having visions or whatever it was just like i I don't know it was just very good acting definitely like captured that really well yeah and his uh his sister is in it as well playing his sister and they have really funny chemistry too um when you said that it goes from sometimes like a comedy whenever they're at the the breakfast table it's just hilarious those are some good scenes the first one especially is just really funny i like their parents too like how their parents kind of not egg them on, but they think their behavior is kind of funny when they're being, you know, kind of inappropriate. Really, really great movie. Mm-hmm. 
cool. That's Donnie Darko, 2001. All right, my number two is Safety Not Guaranteed from 2012. Writers, does anybody have an idea for a story? How about uh, this time travel ad? Guy writes a classified that reads, Wanted, someone to go back in time with me. This is not a joke. You'll get paid after we get back. Must bring your own weapons. Safety not guaranteed. I've only done this once before. I want to find this guy. You know, see if maybe he believes in this stuff. I don't know. I think it could be funny. You want to do it? Can I get a couple of interns? Help me with I'll the research. It. Me, do, please. Me. All right, give me the lesbian and the Indian, and I got a story. What'd you get? Got his name, where he works. What makes you think he won't slam the door in my face, too? Probably none of the other people were beautiful girls. Easier now. Do you sell guns here? Something sexy and affordable with killing power? Sorry, pest problem? Well, if your ad had been written properly, I may have a better idea of what I need. I hope you worked harder on your calibrations. My calibrations are flipping pinpoint, okay? Mm. You ever face certain death? If it was so certain, I wouldn't be here, would I? Safety Not Guaranteed is kind of a comedy drama, and it centers around a magazine employee who is looking for a story. The magazine employee is played by Jake Johnson, and he sees this ad in like a like the wanted section of a newspaper, and the ad reads, Wanted, someone to go back in time with me. This is not a joke. You'll get paid after we get back. Must bring your own weapons. Safety not guaranteed. I have only done this once before. So Jake Johnson picks uh, an intern played by Aubrey Plaza. And um, there's another guy that travels with them, uh, Karen Sony. And then they go to find this character and get close enough to him to give them a story. And the person who wrote the ad is played by Mark Duplass, who I think is extremely talented. Uh, it's a really, it's a really heartfelt story. It's got comedy it's got an ending, which is really cool. And, you know, it's one of those endings that will make you talk about it afterwards. It was directed by uh, Colin Trevorrow, who did, after this, he was um, put on for the Jurassic Park movie, uh, Jurassic World, which was kind of a big jump for him. But yeah, it's it's definitely one of those movies that I like to come back to every couple of years, just because it's so fun. It's got a lot of laughs. It's got a lot of heart and uh, definitely recommended. Yeah, that's one I actually have not seen it. Unfortunately, I I, I know I've watched the beginning of it, um, and for some reason didn't finish watching it. Um, but definitely one I would love to go back and watch because I've I've heard a lot of good things about it. I know when it came out, there was a lot of buzz around it being, you know, good kind of one of those, uh, kind of quirky, uh, indie films. Um, but yeah, sounds like a a good film. I definitely need to go watch that. Yeah, it's, it's and it's one of those things where it's. You know, the whole time they're basically saying, is this guy crazy or can mm-hmm. he do what he says he does? And yeah, you'll have to, to watch it to find out. Yeah, definitely. All right. Number one. Be curious if we have the same one or not. My number one is uh, probably a film most people have seen. Hopefully everybody. Um, Back to the Future. Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future, a Robert Zemeckis film. Marty leads an ordinary life. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Well, history is going to change. And 1985 is not his year. But Dr. Brown is about to change all that. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? He's sending Marty 30 years back in time. It was! 
the funny saucers from outer space. Now, he's trapped in the past. This has got to be a dream. About to meet. Chocolate. His future father. He's a peeping tough. Wow! And he's making an impression on his mother. He's an absolute dream. And he can sleep in my room. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Now, he's got to make his mother and father fall in love. For crying out loud, I haven't even been born yet. And only Dr. Brown can help him get back to the future. Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Precisely. Michael J. Fox. Whoa, this is heavy. Christopher Lloyd. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Back to the future. Probably where my brain went first when I when I thought of this uh, this idea for the the podcast, um, just kind of that iconic time travel film, right? Um, so basic premise of the movie is you've got um, a few characters. You got Doc Brown, Marty McFly, um, who know each other somehow. I don't. I can't remember if they really explained it or not. But um, basically, film starts um, and you know. Marty McFly goes to visit Doc Brown. He tells him he needs to see him. Um, and basically, Doc Brown has built this time machine out of a DeLorean, um, which, of course, I feel like is now, you know, very iconic, um, the the DeLorean time machine. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so basically goes, um, and he's built this time machine, and it runs on um, uh, uranium, I want to say it is. Um, and he got it from, you know, these terrorists and basically these guys are like after him and, um, you know, it, it ends up that Marty ends up actually going back in time to, um, 1955, um, or sometime in the 1950s. I'm not sure if they ever actually say specifically what year it is or not. I think, yeah, it's 1955. Um, and basically, um, has a run in with his parents when they were young, um, and you know has to basically figure out how to get back to the future you know hence the title um back to his you know current time in 1985 um so you know really just again kind of similar to to bill and ted just like a fun movie um you know i love the the overall like pacing of it is really good there's just never like a boring moment in this movie it's you know funny scene to exciting scene to funny scene um you know just kind of back to back to back and it just keeps going um and doesn't you know it's not too long it doesn't overstay its welcome or anything like that um and just overall you know a fun and exciting movie michael j fox you know good actor and and does a great job in this um and really probably one of the reasons i i really thought of it is just because it the influence it's had um you know it's it's you know the perfect definition of a classic if you think of how much you know it is influenced you know, current pop culture and how much it's referenced in pop culture and, you know, things like TV shows like Rick and Morty, which is a really popular TV show, right, is basically completely, you know, based on Back to the Future, essentially. Um, and, and just so many other things, you know, like we talked about the DeLorean is so iconic and um, so much about the film is iconic and, you know, influenced, you know, comedy films and, and kind of time travel spoofs and stuff like that, you know, going forward. It's one of those movies that I would say is like a perfect movie. Um, like you said, no scene seems like it's unnecessary. Everything's really tight. Everything's really, it's just a well-made, well-acted, well-directed, great soundtrack. It's just a great movie. 
you know, when you when I think of and you know time travel movies in general, it's definitely kind of like the first thing that pops into my brain. Um, Back to the Future, but just in general, I mean, it's it's one of my favorite films. It's it's kind of one of those ones I like to go back to, like you know, once a year, once every other year, and just rewatch it. It's just never it's never boring. It's never not fun. Um, and yeah, it's just overall a great film. I'm sure most people have, are familiar with it. I should hope so. I um, I just missed out on Mondo. I don't know if you're familiar with the with the movie art um, by Mondo. But they put out a Back to the Future collection and they had a couple posters up for sale. And I jumped on like at the time to get one of these posters and they sold out within like five minutes. Oh, I was dude. super disappointed. Were they like limited release or were they like signed or something? They were just limited. Uh, one had like 75 total and the other had like 125 total and they sold out within minutes. I was. Oh, wow. Yeah, I tried my best. Uh, the I'm glad that you put Back to the Future on here. I didn't just because I talked about Back to the Future on a on one of the earlier shows. Okay. And I didn't want to bring it up again, but man, it's such a good movie. I actually like number two just as much as I like the first one. What are your views on the other two? I think it's it's almost like, you know, you say it's a perfect film, which or almost a perfect film, which I definitely agree with. It's almost a perfect trilogy, in my opinion. Like it's just I think the way, you know, I think I definitely think the first film is probably better than the other two just as a film and in general but i feel like as like a a trilogy i feel like it just works so well together um the second one i like i think the second one you know as just like a standalone film um i feel like there are some scenes that you know i remember kind of being like okay like i don't need this and you know there's some things they could have done like they bring um you know marty's girlfriend into the future with them but then she doesn't really do anything in the future she does she just kind of (laughs) gets like she just passes out and they like leave her with somebody and it's like what you know, like, why couldn't you have had her do something or kind of what was the point and um, just some kind of small things like that. But I mean, those are small gripes and, and what are still like very good films. All right. On to my number one. I picked a I picked one for number one that I wanted to talk about because I don't think many people know about this movie. And to me, it's a it's just a really kind of cool time travel movie that people are unaware of. And it's from 1997. It's a movie called Retroactive. You become stranded in the middle of nowhere. Got a little car trouble there, huh, honey? You're a witness to a murder. He's gonna kill me! I do! You're forced to relive those moments again and again. He's got a gun, officer! And they just keep getting worse. Retroactive. Oh my god. So retro retroactive stars Jim Belushi uh as this kind of redneck uh redneck abuser and his wife is played by Shannon Worry. And then uh, they're just driving down this road in Texas and then there's this girl named Karen who gets into a car accident a solo car accident. So she's just on the side of the road and they pick this girl, Karen up. And so there's the three of them driving down the road and Karen starts realizing that this, this guy's a really bad guy, uh, Jim Belushi in a role that he hadn't really done before this, uh, this like crazed lunatic. And he suspects that his wife 
is being unfaithful and then tragedy happens. Karen escapes and she, you know, they're out in the middle of the desert, but she finds this lab. And when she goes into the lab, there's this scientist played by Frank Whaley and he's building this time machine and she accidentally gets caught in it to where she's put back in time to right when her car accident happens. And it's almost like one of those uh, edge of tomorrow live, die, repeat scenarios where, you know, she's trying to, she travels back into the past to try and make things better, but she ultimately just keeps making things worse um, as this thing keeps getting repeated. So she is learning from her mistakes, but you know, more people are dying and things are getting more tragic. And it's just kind of a, it's kind of a cool small movie about this really barren Texas road and uh, time and space. Interesting. And yeah, I, I know that not many people have heard of this movie and it's, to me, it's a shame. It's a, it's a really, it's a fun watch and it's, you know, it's not very long. It's an hour and a half. It's got a pretty decent cast and Jim Belushi doing something that you've probably never seen him do before. Yeah. When he said Jim Belushi, I like immediately was like, okay, so it's a comedy and I was kind of waiting and I was like, Oh wait, like, no, it's, it's not a comedy. Yeah, it's definitely not. Uh, now, the, the bad thing is this thing is not available for streaming like anywhere. Oh, wow. Find a hard copy of it somewhere? <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to find a DVD. I don't think that it's even on Amazon Prime to rent. Um, just a quick just watch search doesn't show it anywhere. So. Oh, wow. So you have to like find it on eBay or something? Yeah, or next time you're at the uh, the used record store, find that uh, old DVD. I'm sure it doesn't have a Blu-ray release either, which is kind of a shame. Um, it's Yeah, it's a good movie, and... I just want to put it as my number one, not because it's my favorite, but just because I want people to check it out and uh, be aware that there's some things out there about time travel that you might not have seen before. Yeah, if I can, if I can find a copy, I will. Uh, I'll definitely have to give that a watch. It does sound interesting. Yeah, it's retroactive. Did you have any uh, honorable mentions that it really like pained you to keep them off the list? Because I know I did. Yeah, there's a couple. Um, so one is um, another film, and that I don't think. A lot of people have probably seen. I feel like I remember it being popular when I was, uh, or when it came out, but it might have just been kind of in uh, with you know me and some of my friends. Uh, called Idiocracy. You heard of that? Oh yeah, of course. I I love this movie. I think it's it's so funny. So it's basically um, uh, Luke, yeah, Luke Wilson is in the military, and basically like they just you know kind of the joke is he's like the most average person in the world. Um, doesn't have any like interests or likes or dislikes just kind of is very like bland and boring and he's in the military and so they pick him for this project that they're gonna freeze him and i think initially it was only supposed to be a year or like six months that he would be frozen um, but then he ends up actually getting frozen for something like 500 years um, or maybe it's 100 years and and goes like way into the future um, and basically wakes up and america is um, falling apart um, you know, idiots are, are, you know, Terry Crews is a, uh, retired professional wrestler who is also the president. Um, they, nobody can grow any crops. Um, they're watering everything with Gatorade. Um, and just all, I mean, it's just really funny. And I, I, you know, Luke Wilson's pretty good in it, but I love, uh, uh, Dak Shepard in it as well. His character is, is really funny. He's, um, you know, one of the, one of the guys he meets in the future and he's just kind of, you know, just an idiot, kind of like everybody else in this, you know, future world. Yeah, that one is a lot of people point to that movie now because a lot of the things that 
Mike Judge wrote in there as like, hey, this is what idiots will do in the future. They're actually doing now and yeah. being that stupid now. Yeah. It almost might be kind of uh, surreal to watch now. It's been a couple of years since I've seen it, but uh, might not be uh, as funny as it used to be with, with current situations going on. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's equal parts funny and depressing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and another honorable mention I had was uh, uh, Terminator. So we already spent some time talking about that. Um, and uh, Hot Tub Time Machine was another one. I wouldn't say it pained me not to put it in my top five, but it is a <laughs> it's a funny movie. Um, they basically premises they go to stay in this old ski resort that they that these three friends used to stay at as when they were like in high school. And now they're coming back as adults, and and essentially they sit in this hot tub, and it trans you know takes them uh, back to when they were kids back in the eighties, and and basically it's just them kind of reliving their glory days, and you know just trying to get back to to current era. So that one that one's pretty funny. It's pretty stupid, but it's got some it's got some funny moments. I have not seen Hot Tub Time Machine, but uh, I will put it on my list. Couple that so this one narrowly missed my list. It's a movie from two thousand thirteen called About Time. Uh, it's a romantic comedy with Donald Gleason and Rachel McAdams. It's just a really fun love story with uh, some time travel elements where this kid is told by his dad that uh, he, the men in his family can travel through time <laughs> and they basically go into the closet and travel through time. Yeah, that's a, that is a good one. I've seen that one before. I totally forgot about that film, honestly, making this list and I don't know how. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing that and really liking it. And it's one of the one of the only romantic comedies that I just want to keep going back to. Mm-hmm. Interstellar, which we already talked about, missed my list. Uh, back to the Future, like I said, and then Twelve Monkeys with Brad Pitt okay, and yeah. Bruce Willis, mm-hmm. another great time travel movie about a person that winds up in a mental hospital because they think he's crazy. And well, it's tough to explain without spoiling stuff, but yeah. just. Know that, yeah, this was the movie, 1996, I think it came out, where it was like, Brad Pitt, this dude's going to be like a straight-up star. Mm-hmm. Just such a good movie. Um, the TV show's good, too. If you have not seen the TV show, I was a little worried because um, normally I don't like TV shows that are bred out of movies, but there's four seasons of it, and it was really good. Yeah, I've heard that show's pretty good. I have not, I haven't given the show the time um, to watch, but yeah, I remember solid film. Yeah, was this before? Before Fight Club or after? I'm yeah, it was one year before Fight Club. Okay, so Fight Club was 97. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this was kind of his, or uh, Brad Pitt was on the upswing. He was, yep. A um, couple others that I'll just quick hit. Uh, let's see, Source Code is one that, another Jake Gyllenhaal movie that I could have put on here. Really fun. X-Men Days of Future Past, where the current x-men went back to see the young versions of themselves that was that was really fun and uh arrival another one that has some time travel elements that i cannot explain here but you once you watch it you'll know what's up yeah i thought about um doing arrival for my list but i haven't seen it since it came out and i was uh didn't necessarily know if i wanted to if i had the time to put into rewatching it and then trying to figure out a good way to talk about it um but yeah, Arrival was was a very good film. I remember liking that a lot. Hey, I had a lot of fun having you on. I'm going to give you a chance right now to plug whatever you want. So, you know, what should people check out? Is it your work? Is it somebody else's work? What do you think is cool that people should uh, have an eye on? Yeah, um, so I uh, will plug uh, something of my own. Um, I do, uh, I stream games on Twitch, the video games. 
So I'm actually starting uh, kind of a series, I guess, if you want to call it that. I'm kind of going back through all the video games, you know, back to when I was young that um, really kind of like left an impression on me. So games that I kind of consider to be my, you know, all-time favorite games and, and a lot of games that, you know, started to kind of take video games from something that was, hey, this is a, a toy that's kind of a, you know, a hobby to, um, or, you know, something to, to kill time to, you know, really an art form that's, uh, you know, games that have compelling stories and narratives and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I'll be doing that. Um, I uh, stream on s- Friday and Sunday nights uh, around 7 p.m. And I am in, that's an Eastern time zone. Um, so, yeah, my Twitch is uh, stairway underscore the letter or the number two, Evan. So stairway to Evan with an underscore between stairway and the number two. Awesome. Check out uh, stairway underscore to Evan on Twitch. What's what what games can we look forward to you streaming uh, first? Um, so first game uh, is a uh, sci-fi related game. So kind of on topic a little bit. Um, it's a Star Wars game from the early 2000s. It's called Knights of the Old Republic 2. Um, so that's one, the one I'm going to be starting with. Also be playing um, a lot of other games. I don't have a, a specific order I'm going to play them in yet. Um, but yeah, starting there and kind of going to kind of going to work my way from there. Very cool. And you said uh, Fridays at 7 p.m. Eastern and Sundays as well? Yep. Well, remember, anybody can be a guest on this show. The only requirement is that you love movies. If you have a five list that you want to cover with me, email me directly at force5podcast at gmail.com or head to the website force5podcast.com, which has a show request form and other Force 5 related content. Until next time, watch movies. What I need is a woman who can think and fight. And she'll come at the same time. (laughs) Force 5.